It's been a great time. And uh, what we've been doing this weekend in my family has been a little starting to watch the Olympics. Are there any Olympics fans in the tent? A lot of us. A lot of new sports from when I was a kid. Surfing, of course. Uh, Three-on-three basketball. I don't really know what that's about. More of a five-on-five man myself. But all kinds, all kinds of different sports. Archery. I would be very surprised if there wasn't someone in this tent that had a very special talent where they almost made it to the Olympics or something like that. This is so interesting. And there's so many different kinds of sports in the Olympics. But these athletes, these Olympians, all have one thing in common. No matter what country they're from, no matter what sport they play, they have one thing in common, and that is they train. Olympians train. Today is going to be a training morning in the church tent because we're training for something in life. This series has been called, you know, our healthy relationships, relational health, and we are going to be doing some training this morning on the subject of conflict, on the subject of healthy conflict. And in today's world, conflict is a given, right? There's so many sensitive topics you know, the Gallup surveys, all the different polls show that our country's more divided than ever. There's so many different topics. We're always walking around trying to figure out. And, and conflict has kind of become part of our lives. It's part of the workplace, and it's also a part of our closest relationships. So we're going to be exploring today what God says about all that. I'm going to be speaking to you from the subject, becoming a conflict champion. Becoming a conflict champion. And as we prepare to be conflict champions, I actually have some of our most familiar contestants. These are people that desire to be conflict champions, and they oftentimes insert themselves into our conflicts as different perspectives on conflict. So here's our first conflict contestant coming right out of the weight room, ready to rip your head off. Yeah, here we go. This is people with the fight conflict style. They love to speak their mind. They love the subtweets. They love the Yelp reviews. They love to prove others wrong. And they don't mind if things get a little bit rowdy. Give it up for fight, everybody. Let's get ready to rumble. That's right. Here's our next conflict contestant, another conflict style that oftentimes shows up in our lives. We call this one. Let's crank the music for this, guys. Come on. We got to have a good walk up. We call this flight. She just wants to fly away, people. She wants nothing to do with conflict at all. When something difficult arises, we change the subject. We flip our boa. We put on our glasses. We unfriend. We ghost. We leave the meeting. We will avoid you in Trader Joe's. We are not having the conflict because it messes with our mojo. Okay. This is the flight conflict style. Very familiar to many of us. We got fight. We got flight. And we've got one more conflict style that oftentimes appears in our relationships. This conflict style has its origins deep and under the Arctic and the fortress of solitude. It's very cold down there. Let's give it up for Mr. Freeze. He's cold as ice. He's willing to sacrifice our love. He is not going to say anything. He is not prepared, and he is terrified to be on stage. Sometimes we just absolutely freeze out a conflict unsuccessfully. Another unsuccessful but attempt 
at becoming a conflict champion. These three styles oftentimes show up in our lives. The style of fighting, the style of fleeing, or the, the style of freezing. But I've got bad news for you guys, for you conflict champions. None of you are winning the gold today. You're not winning the silver. You're not even winning the bronze. I'm sorry, guys. You aren't going to be conflict champions because these are not winning conflict styles. Let's give them a round of applause, guys. They are going to head to my office for a participation trophy, and um, we will see them later because we're going to talk about becoming a conflict champion today God's way. We're going to talk about what God says about conflict in our lives. We're going to talk about how, how do we have a conflict uh, what's the path forward in a challenging conversation? How do we even have these kinds of conversations? And how do we work through interpersonal conflict in our lives? The word conflict comes from the Latin con, which means together, and uh, figere, which means to strike, to strike together. Doesn't sound like a very uncomfortable experience to me, does it, right? To strike together. In Texas, we used to call that button heads, okay? So that's where the word conflict even comes from. One key verse on conflict for you to know, it's in the Proverbs. Proverbs 27, 17. I always tell my kids, a proverb a day will keep you out of trouble. This is a good one. Proverbs 27, 17. This is the message version. You use steel to sharpen steel, and one friend sharpens another. Let's leave that up for a minute. Because this verse actually gives us some clues about becoming a conflict champion, about handling difficult conversations in our lives. First of all, there's a key word here, and the word is friend. You know, it's easier to think about conflict happening outside of our close relationships. Somebody on the internet, you know, maybe someone we occasionally run into, an acquaintance we have some different opinions with, maybe like a coworker at work, but we like don't really know them. But this is very important because this lets us know the arena of conflict in our lives. We are going to experience conflict. We are going to experience disagreements, differences of opinion, anger, right? The Christian word for that is frustration, by the way. Okay, we're going to experience that in our closest relationships. I, I, I think in my own family, we had some different conflict styles. We were more of a fight family. And I remember the first time my wife came over, we were dating for a family dinner. And, you know, it was one of those fight nights. <laughs> and everyone had their mind, their thing they wanted to say. There was some storming off from the dinner table. It was a little bit more of a dramatic meal. And I hadn't really thought, you know, I have a conflict style. This, this young lady I'm falling in love with, she has a conflict style. I wonder how that meshes up. And then I realized, oh, we have a different experience with this one. I went to her family the first time. My family, we had a long rectangular dinner table. It was very formal with a, kind of some flowers in the middle, and everyone always sat in their spot. Her uh, setting for dining was a little different. It was a circular table in a breakfast nook, some bric-a-brac on the walls, some Danish wood and stuff like that. And there was a little picture on the wall, and it was a beautiful little blonde boy. And he was holding a bunny. And next to the bunny were the words, be ye kind. So their family was more of a freeze family, right? Just, whoa, don't disturb the bunny, right? Be ye kind. Okay, let's, let's, not, let's not talk about a sensitive subject. So we had different, different conflict styles coming into our marriage. And so, you know, it says, it says friend. You could replace that with brother, sister, coworker, spouse. We're going to be experiencing conflict in our closest relationships. That's the arena for conflict 
And I love this verse because it doesn't only show us the arena for conflict, it also shows us the goal. The goal of conflict. One friend sharpens another. You know, sharpening something transforms it. The goal for conflict in our life is transformation. We can't always control when we're in a difficult scenario, a difficult season in a relationship, how the other person is going to respond. Actually, we can never control that. We can't control, even if we have the best plan, we've really prayed it through, we, we, we have a desire to reconcile, we can't control whether they're going to have a godly response. Can I get an amen? Is some people live some life out here, have they noticed this? Right? We, we can't control that, okay? What we can control is if our difficult relationships are used by God to transform us into the image of Christ, right? So, so the goal of conflict is transforming us to become more like Jesus. That's a goal that you can always have in a difficult conversation. That's a goal that you can always have in conflict because that's what the Holy Spirit's going to be doing in your life. By the way, a Holy Spirit, the first word is holy. God's desire is to transform you, to make you holy, to make you more like him through the work of the Spirit in your life, and he uses relationships in our life to do that. So this is very different than the three conflict styles we just joked about. Fight. The goal of the fight is to win, right, at all costs, right? You, you, it's more of a, you know, a mobster mentality, like we're just going to have a throw down here until I get the exact right word, and I put them in their place, right? Okay, flight. The goal for the person that has more of the flight conflict approach is to go around it, to have as little conflict as possible. And then there's freeze. We think of the goal uh, in the freeze style of conflict is to not be hit by friendly fire, right? To not be emotionally wounded again, to not have a, a challenge that we have to work through. But these conflict styles are very incomplete because they don't help us accomplish the biblical goal for conflict which is us becoming more like Jesus, being transformed by the people around us. So this is what I like to say. In conflict, the win is within. In conflict, look at your neighbor say the win is within, please. We're going to get very interactive today because it's a little bit of an uncomfortable topic, okay? In conflict, the win is within. There's nothing wrong with wanting to win, win a sale, win a court case, win a sports game, win an election. That's great. But in conflict, we have to look inside and say, is this transforming me more in the image of Jesus? What do I need to do to lean into that? That is how you can win a conflict. So we've talked about the arena for conflict. We've talked about the goal. Now we're going to talk about a plan. What is the biblical plan for difficult seasons and relationships? How can we become a conflict champion? Three steps. First one is prayerful. Second one is be proactive. And the third one is productive have the goal of a productive conversation. Be prayerful, be proactive, and be productive. So let's, let's explore these together, these three Ps. First of all, prayerful. Okay, so I know this is church, and you're here to worship and receive a sermon and meet friends and experience God, and you're expecting me to tell you to pray because I'm a pastor. But I, I want to say what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is chicken soup for the soul prayer. What I'm not saying is the serenity prayer. You know, oh God, grant me the serenity to the things I can't, like, that's fine if, if you want to pray that way. That's a good place to start, but you, you can't land there. I'm talking about real prayer. I'm talking about raw prayer. 
I'm talking about Jacob and the angel wrestling all night in the dirt. I will not let you go, God, until you bless me. Prayer. That's the kind of prayer that we have to have if we're really going to work through difficult things in our life. I'm talking about Joseph in the well. His brothers are up there laughing at him, about to sell him into slavery. God, what now? That kind of prayer. That kind of prayer is what seeded the seeds for reconciliation 30 years later in Joseph's life, by the way. I'm talking about Daniel and the lion's den kind of prayer. I'm talking about Jesus in Gethsemane. His other friends fell asleep. He was still up, sweating, blood, prayer. This is the no guts, no glory prayer. This is the blood, sweat, and tears of sowing in and being real with God. Can I get an amen? That's the kind of prayer I'm talking about because this is what we have to reconcile as we enter into conflict in this topic Conflict produces unwanted emotions in us, right? No one likes to be mad. No one likes to have despair or feel anxious about a relationship. These are unwanted emotions. And we have to figure out how to deal with these before God. I experienced this in my house this week. And I know that there's never any unwanted emotions in your house, but sometimes there are in mine. So I'll use an example from my life. This last week, my son had a basketball game. Actually, he did great. Made a ton of baskets, got a ton of steals. It was a family victory. We experienced the the glory of victory in our household. The week before, though, was not that week. And my son got hit in the face with a basketball in the middle of the game, really hurt. He had to sit out for a minute. And it was kind of like one of those dramatic moments as a parent where you're like, do I run out on the, you know, the court and help him? Do I let it, you know, it's, ah, you know, I just could tell he's in pain. So after the game, we're getting our Slurpee little post-game ritual, doing our debrief. So I, hey, how was the game? We're talking strategy, talking about the other players. And then I kind of pivot to the emotional side. And I say, well, hey, um, it seems like you kind of got jacked in the face. (laughs) And he was real quiet in the back. I think, is he drinking his Slurpee? No, he's already done with the Slurpee. I don't know how, in three minutes. Is he crying? No. And I just look in the back. There's this steely-eyed stare. Like, what is he going to say? And he goes, I want revenge. (laughs) Unwanted emotions, right? I saw someone, I did not want those emotions in my child. Here's why preachers always use examples of their kids. Our kids show us the unfiltered way that we really are. Okay, and so can we just be real and say a lot of times we want revenge, right? We're mad. Actually, we're ticked. We're whatever your word is. Like we are we are super upset that there was an injustice committed against us and we want revenge. By the way, the context of this message is conflict like in in peaceful relationships or relationships that can be reconciled. I'm not speaking of abuse or different things like that. That's a totally different category. And there are some relationships in life we just have to leave. But in, in this case, I'm talking about these are relationships. There's potential to reconcile, and we need to deal with our emotions first. Are you tracking with me? Okay, so let's have some real talk about emotions and prayer. And let's look at Psalm 109. This is David having some real talk with God. You're gonna see it here. Psalm 109, verse 1, be not silent, O God of my praise, for wicked and deceitful mouths are opened up against me, speaking against me with lying tongues. 
They encircle me with words of hate and attack me without cause. In return for my love, they accuse me, but I give myself to prayer. That's good. Okay, starting with real prayer. Verse 5, they reward me evil for good and hatred for my love. David is mad. David wants revenge. Like, these people are trying to kill him. And, you know, it's kind of a rough psalm. He goes on. First of all, he curses his enemies. Then he curses the children of his enemies. Then he curses the clothing of his enemies. And then he closes, curses the animals of his enemies. David is getting real. He is angry. Brings, brings new meaning to the phrase, I prayed for you this morning, right? Hopefully you didn't pray this for someone. Okay, <laughs> verse 21. But you, O God, my Lord, deal on my behalf for your namesake. Okay, David's turning a corner. He's been real with God, and he's, he's starting to get with God a little bit, and his perspective is changing. He's starting to win the, win, war, win the battle within. Deal on my behalf for your namesake, because your steadfast love is good. Deliver me. I am poor and needy, and my heart is stricken within me. You see, David, his perspective's changing. He's no longer looking at the speck over uh, the log over here. Uh, the speck over here, he's looking at the log right here. He's no longer praying, oh, God, thank you that I'm not like those people. He realizing, I am one of those people too. When we get real with God in prayer, it prepares us to reconcile our relationship. Prayer allowed, allowed David to be shaped into the humble leader that God had called him to be. But that only happens through real, authentic, bold, and honest prayer. Can I just tell you something? God can handle your frustration. God can handle your unwanted emotions. He can handle your depression. He can handle your unbelief. You don't need to hide anything from God in prayer. The one guy said this about the Psalms, I read the Psalms until I find my voice. It's all in there, guys. And we need to get real with God, just like the Bible models us how to. Verse 30, with my mouth, I will give thanks to the Lord. I will praise him in the midst of the throng, for he stands at the right hand of the needy one to save him from those who condemn his soul to death. When we get real with God in prayer, we begin to experience real grace, right? Not grace as an idea, but grace is an experience in our lives that prepares us to be reconcilers with others just like God was with us. Can I get an amen? Jesus knew about this. He knew we were going to face difficult relationships. One time Jesus said this, it is impossible for anyone not to be offended. So if Jesus said something was impossible, don't you think it's impossible? We're going to be offended in life, right? We're going to encounter relational difficulties. Jesus devoted a lot of space in his most famous sermon, Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, he devoted a lot of space to dealing with difficulties in human relationships. He, he talks about divorce, anger, reconciliation, I mean, all kinds of things. And, and we see it right here in verse 44 of Matthew 5. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There's that pray thing again. God's calling us to be prayerful as we enter into difficult seasons and relationships in our life. And let me just say something. Like, maybe this helps you to hear this. I don't know. There's a lot of verses in the Bible I like. I don't really like that verse. I don't want to love my enemies. I don't want to pray for those who persecute me. But, but look at what it says here in verse 45. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. This is what Jesus is saying. Your heavenly father is a reconciler. This is part of your identity. How is God a reconciler? Well, 
Did you know that the Bible says that before you met Jesus, you were an enemy of God? This is how bad the Father wanted reconciliation with us. He sent his son to die on a cross, to live a perfect life, to fulfill hundreds of prophecies about himself, including the way he was born and the way he was to die. Then he died the most painful criminal's death possible on a cross. Then he descended to the dead. Then he rose again and ascended into heaven. God is very committed to reconciling with us. Are we committed to reconciling with each other? That's, Jesus, that's what Jesus is challenging us. He's saying this, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. He's saying, hey, listen, we're all human, right? This is part of God's common grace to all of us. We've got to learn how to reconcile. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? God is calling us to, to be prayerful, to be real about our need for reconciliation with others in, his, in, in, in our lives. And I think this is a big step for us because if the battle is within, prayer is where the transformation is gonna start, just like we see in that Psalm, right? So that's the first step, be prayerful. Here's the next step about conflict resolution in our life, becoming a conflict champion. It's to be proactive. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm gonna be proactive this week. You're gonna be proactive doing something. You might as well be proactive doing this, okay? So it's in the seven habits of highly effective people. You gotta be proactive. That's one of the habits, okay? So let's talk about being proactive. Being proactive is a big struggle for those of us in the flight or the freeze crowd. We'd rather avoid the conflict. The prayer crowd, by the way, the fight crowd, by the way, you just need to spend a lot of time in the prayer piece. Let me give you some tips, just like, how do I know if I need to initiate a hard conversation with someone? Like, how do I know if I need to have this conflict? I'm like a little frustrated with this person in my life. Is it necessary? If, if your basic proclivity is to fight, let me give you a rule. I'm giving you the three-day rule. If you've prayed about it for three days, and then you're like, this is still really bugging me. I've got to work this through with this person. Then work it through, okay? Now, if you're in the, fight, the flight or the freeze crowd, I'm giving you the three-second rule, okay? You just need to learn how to have tough conversations. This is part of life. One guy said it this day. The road to success is paved with difficult conversations, so you gotta have you gotta have conversations. You know, remember at camp, you drop some food, you pick it up in three seconds. The three second rule—that's the rule that you need to have about difficult conversations in your life. Jesus knew that we would not want to be proactive. He knew that we would avoid resolving difficulties in relationships in our life because he knows the human condition, and that's why he spent so much time instructing his disciples and instructing us how to do this. This is how we get the plan for becoming a conflict champion. Matthew 5, again, 23 and 24. So if you are offering your gifts at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Listen, I recognize that this is not a good church growth strategy telling people to leave church and go reconcile before they come back. I'm somewhat being facetious, right? But these are words in red. Like, this isn't even in the Old Testament. These are like Jesus' words. He's saying, if you have something against your brother and the family of faith, and you're in worship, and I bring that to mind through my Holy Spirit, like, that's me talking to you. 
and I'm calling you to reconcile. God's calling us to be proactive. Jesus addressed it again in Matthew 18, just to make sure we knew that he was calling us to be proactive. And he actually got very specific about a plan for these kinds of conversations in our life. One thing that's interesting about the context of Matthew 18 is this assumes that if you confront someone in your life, you are 100% in the right. Now, has that ever happened to any of us? Probably not, right? And so, however, like, even if you're 100% in the right, Jesus is saying, I am still calling you to try to reconcile. I am still calling. God was 100% in the right when he said, Jesus, you guys know what I'm talking about? The gospel, right? Okay, so, so this is how God's calling us to act and respond. Matthew 18, verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. This is great. This is God's heart for any difficult conversation in our life, that we would, we would grow as a spiritual family, that there would be reconciliation. Notice he didn't say this. If your brother sins against you, send him an email. If your brother sins against you, send him one of those annoying most voice memos, annoying voice memos on your phone that dissolves when you try to listen to it. Didn't say that. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. This means interpersonal relationships are going to be a big deal if we're going to be walking with Jesus. Between you and him alone, don't air it out there between everybody else. Just try to work it out. If he listens to you, you've gained your brother. Verse 16, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the, evidences, uh, by the evidence of two or three witnesses. Now, the two or three others, they're there to help reconcile. They're not there to, like, this is not like a godfather thing, you know, where we're, like, ganging up on someone or something with the mob, okay? This is, this is we're, we're all together in a room with the desire to walk with Jesus and be reconciled in our relationships. Verse 17, if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. If you refuse to listen even to the church, let it be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. It's so important. You know, Jesus is saying you can't always control how people are going to respond, when you interact with them, when you have difficult conversations, when you, go when you have difficult seasons in a relationship, you can't control that. Sometimes we, we must transition. Verse 18, truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now that's a powerful verse. Binding and loosing. We like to quote that in our prayer nights, right? God, we pray for France. We pray that you'd bind this. We pray that you'd loose this. We, we, we do all this binding and loosing in prayer. But notice the context of that verse is in relational reconciliation. Notice Matthew 5, when, when Jesus says, hey, if, if you're praying, leave your gift at the altar and go reconcile first. Personally, I think there's a lot of people that are praying for revival that just need to reconcile with a brother or a sister. God is saying that the authority of our prayers is tied to our attempts at reconciliation. Are you tracking with me? Like the relational health of a church determines its spiritual impact. It's kind of heavy, isn't it? Kind of like, man, that means I've got some tough conversations in my future. And there comes the grace of God to help us along the way. You want to bind and loose? Be reconciled. 
You want to leave a gift at the altar? Be reconciled. Jesus is calling us to the power of unity. He's saying, if you want to bind and loose, first be bonded with one another. That increases our authority and our impact as a community. So we've talked about being prayerful. We've talked about being proactive. We're talk about the three-day or the three-second rule, depending on what category you fall in. Now we're going to talk about being productive. This is the goal of any conflict in our lives. The goal isn't to prove somebody wrong. The, the, the goal is to bring reconciliation. Just a few verses here I want to point out. Productive conflict, Galatians 6.1. Brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall under the same temptation as yourself. That's, that's productive conflict, right? First of all, it's humble. We're not yelling at anybody. We're not calling them names. We're not cussing them out, right? We're not losing control, the self-control of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to them humbly. And, and we're, our, our attempt is to reconcile. I mean, there's so many people that have fallen away from the faith in the last years. I wonder where are their friends that are doing Galatians 6.1 that are going to them saying, I'm concerned about you. Like, I want to reconcile with you. Like, what, what's going on in your life and in your spirit? 2 Corinthians 5.17, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Such a powerful ministry God has given us, the ministry of reconciliation. I think it's interesting, you know, Solomon, he has this dream and he encounters God. God says, I'll give you whatever you want. He asks for wisdom. What's the first time he gets to use his wisdom? In a moment of reconciliation. I think God is wanting to raise up believers to, to work through disputes in our society that seem impossible, but God wants us to give up, wants to give us the ministry of reconciliation. Romans 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Can't control everybody, but we can take steps forward for reconciliation. We're going to take that step forward now. I've got to let you know of something that happened in our office this week. We have two staff people that are in a conflict. And they have volunteered to work that conflict through in front of all of us at church. Come on, Jason and Zach. Let's come up now. We are going to model a plan for healthy conflict together. We are going to become conflict champions right now. So behind us, there's going to be a slide that's going to show some steps for a difficult conversation in your life. We're going to walk through these steps together, and these guys are going to walk through this discussion together. Can you guys give these uh, two contestants a round of applause, please? Not an easy thing to do. This is actually going to, actually going to be really fun. Don't be so nervous, okay? This is going to be great. All right, here we go. Jason and Zach. Now, one thing you guys have to know is Jason and Zach share an office, okay, over here in our church building. Jason, what's your job on staff? I'm the college pastor and oversee the, the youth and young adults as well. Zach, thanks for being on our staff this season. Zach just got his RN, by the way. We're super proud of him. Great guy. Oh, yeah. Hey, what, what are you doing on staff these days? I am helping out with our college ministry as an intern. So you guys are stuck in, in an office here working together. Is that a big office? It's a small office. Small? Like, how small are we talking? It's smaller than cubicle. Smaller than a cubicle. It's a cubicle. Cubicle? A cubicle. Yeah. Hudson described it earlier as smaller than a bathroom stall. So, anyway, it's a small office, right? Very intimate, okay? And you guys work in there together. And so there's been a little issue in the office that we have to work through. 
Jason is the one that is actually coming to Zach saying, hey, we have a conflict and I want to resolve it, okay? So Jason is going to be leading the conversation. Step one, Jason is going to need to show Zach some kindness so Zach knows he cares about him and that he wants to really grow in their relationship together. Go for it, Jason. Zach, you're a very pleasant individual and I like the way you dress. Thank you so much. I like your sweatshirt. <laughs> Thank you. Wonderful, Jason. Anything else you'd like to add? <laughs> you're, you're a Dress is a good place to start. a pleasure to work with. Oh, a pleasure to work with. Great friend Great. as well. How do you feel right now, Zach? I feel loved. Great. I'm so glad you feel loved. That was actually the whole point of this, is for you to feel loved. We love you. Okay. Number two, ask for permission and pick the right setting to talk in person. So, Jason, you have an important discussion you need to have with Zach. You need to ask for permission and also pick the right setting yeah, to have the I conversation. bringing you in front of the whole church would be a very appropriate first step in this conflict. Uh, could, could we have a conversation right now? Uh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. An enthusiastic sure from Zach. That'll work. Um, so one thing about difficult conversations in your life, the setting is actually really important. You want to pray about where should I have this conversation? Don't have it at Starbucks, like right next to another table. Like you, you want it to be in a private place. Maybe go on a walk. Maybe meet in one of your homes. Or sometimes if something's really tough, you, you need to find a neutral place to talk through things. But these are important things to think through in a difficult conversation. I neglected to say this, so let me just say this also. Ideally, you would actually have a written down plan. I cannot tell you the amount of difficult conversations I've had in life where I wrote down a plan and actually pulled open my notebook for the conversation. Now, you may say, hey, that's weird, and you're kind of geeky and nerdy. Hey, that's fine if you think that way. But for me, it really helps me stay on track in the conversation, and it helps me know, oh, this is the next place I want to go. This is the thing I want to say. And I think the other person typically values the preparation. Okay, so we've, we've shared some kindness. We've asked for permission. We've picked the perfect setting to work through this inner office conflict, obviously. So step three, Jason. Why don't you have your opening statement to Zach here? I would like to talk at you. <laughs> I mean, I would like to talk with you about this can of tuna fish that has been sitting on the desk for like three months. Great. Let's pause there. Notice how Jason eventually got to, I want to talk with you. One thing that's important in a conflict is these guys have a friendship and they work together. We want to put the conflict out here, right? We don't want this to be between them. And so we're going to attack this as a problem together. So Jason wants to attack this problem of the American tuna issue with Zach. Okay, we're going to work that through as we continue. So number four, very, very important. You need to share a specific example so that Zach knows this is important to you and he can kind of concretely understand what you're dealing with, Jason. Yeah, there's a very small desk area that four of us share, Zach, and this can of tuna, which is very large, strangely, and I've never seen something this big, but it's been sitting on the desk for three months. Now, when you're the one that's receiving this important information, Zach, you're using active listening. So you might say something like, you know what, you're right, that has been on the desk for three months. You're letting Jason know that you're hearing him. I hear you, and I see you. <laughs> Wonderful. Do you see this? <laughs> I now, hold see on. you. It's, it's coming between you. Keep between. it out here. It's, I see you, Keep Jason. it out here. Okay. I, see the, I see you. <laughs> Great. All right. We've shared an example. Now, important, 
and, and Jason may even have this written down, he's going to state his emotions, okay? Zach needs to know that this is affecting Jason. This is affecting Jason's ability to do his job and be a college pastor emotionally. Okay, Jason, come on. I have a lot of emotions about this. <laughs> I'm confused why a great can of food isn't being eaten. I'm confused and concerned for you why you have such a large can of tuna. I'm really concerned about our friendship staying intact because of this and deeper things I can't even put words on. Now, what's really important, Zach, is Jason knows, he, the, I think the key word was concern. So let him know that you hear him. I hear your concern about the can of tuna. Great. Hey, you guys laugh, okay? This is a, this is, these guys are doing great, okay? They're working through their conflict. Okay, number six, Jason, we need to clarify something. We need to clarify what's at stake. Why is this even important? Why is it worth the sit down at the tent in front of all 300 of us? There's a, there's a lot at stake. Yes. There's a lot at stake. Our friendship's at stake. The, the ministry of the church is at stake. Sometimes people might go um, a little overboard, and Zach's doing a great job keeping his cool. Our, my reputation is at stake <laughs> as people come into the office and they see this on my, our desk for months at a time. There's a lot at stake. By the way, this is a joke. After the last service, People thought I had serious conflict going on. I'm not this weird. I just wanted to clarify. Jason, you're breaking character. Please stop. Conflict. Okay. Just Why am I wanted here? to say that at some point. Jason's not this weird, guys. Okay. Number seven. Now, Jason, this is very important. You need to own your part because you've escalated this issue. We're really trying to work through Zach. Now, whenever you're in a conflict with someone, whenever you're in a conflictual situation, if there's anything that you can own, you need to. And you need to go first. Because it shows humility and it shows the other person that you're willing to reconcile, okay? Even with, with my kids, I try to do this. I try to say, I understand that the expectations were not clear when we went into this store that we weren't gonna pull everything off the thing or whatever the thing, is, okay? So I, I will try to own whatever I can of not setting expectations with my kids. For example, Jason? Zach, I would like to be clear that I've left stuff on the desk before. The truth comes out. There was some candy on the desk for quite a while. A few years. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe you thought it was okay to leave tuna on the desk because I left candy. And when we entered in the agreement, the contract to share the office, I didn't write down that you can't have tuna on the desk. I take my blame as well. Thank you, Jason, for your humility. Whoever had candy on Jason's desk that apparently was out there for years is like totally gagging right now. I'm sure of it. Okay, number eight, share your desire to reconcile. We're not just trying to beat each other up here. Jason has a genuine interest in this friendship, so he's going to share that desire. My goal in having this difficult conversation is reconciliation so we can go conquer the world together, Zach. Now, the big moment. Jason is going to give Zach a chance to respond. Zach, I would li like to give you a chance to respond now or later. Zach might need to think about it. Might need to be a later. Maybe you need to go pray Can on this pray for a while. It? Or maybe you have some words for me right now. I'm, I'm, re I'm ready to listen. <laughs> Great. Here we go. You know, I left it there 
thinking that it would be, since we share an office, it'd be nice of us to share the can of tuna as well. Since we share everything else in the office, I thought we could share the tuna. I thought it'd be my contribution to the, the to office. To strengthen our To strengthen friendship. us, that we could bond. While oh. we're strategizing, we can this eat This is all together. a misunderstanding. <laughs> they have some common ground. They want to okay. grow. Yes, well done, guys. Well done. Let's give these guys a round of applause. We're reconciled. Funny, funny example, but wow. I mean, how many times in life do we have difficult relationships, difficult conversations with people that we need to pray about? We know we need to be proactive. We just don't know what to do, and we need a plan. That's a plan you can use. Some of it's from a book. Uh, others are just from scripture, and it's just a great, it's a great tool for you to use as you have conversations in your life. Um, band's going to come up. Now is the most important time of the whole day. It's one thing for us to gather and talk about conversations in our life. Here's the real question. Are we going to do it? Are we going to respond? And is God calling us to bring reconciliation and some relationship in our life and a relationship in the workplace or in our home or a friendship? And so right now what I want to do is I just want to pray, and I just want to give you a chance to ask God, God, is there someone that I need to initiate with and have a reconciling conversation? So you can bow your head in prayer now.